we have breaking news into the Bound Pass podcast. I uh, recorded an awesome episode with Mikey Bio on Sunday after the All-Star game. I uh, up showing on my Monday. I got Monday off for President's Day. It was nice. I uh, had the episode set up to come out Tuesday morning. And I get news that I'm sitting here watching Nope, the movie by Jordan Peele on Peacock. Underrated movie, I don't know. I didn't get that much actual budge, but I see that the boards have signed Patrick Beverly. Um, they're kind of rumored about him. We kind of, I think the Westbrook noise were a lot louder, but he ended up signing with the court board. So uh, we couldn't get him for better or worse. We'll end up with uh, Patrick Beverly. To run through his stats, he played in 45 games for the Lakers. He actually started in all those games with it. Kind of funny, and uh, he averaged in the 45 games 6.4 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and then 0.9 steals per game. I thought that steal number might be a little interesting, but nope, not really. <laughs> the kind of hard to see the plot side of this. He is shooting 34. 8% from three on 3.5 attempts per game. So not a ton of volume. Kind of, I think he'll probably fit in pretty well with the board guide, like passing up open looks, had to take out open threes. The, we do need a point guard. Io is, I honestly probably still prefer Io to start over Patrick Beverly, but Io is overtaxed at the starting point guard. Maybe Beverly can. Gonna be another guy that they can throw out there. He, him and Kubusho can kind of wreak havoc. Maybe they can kind of recapture a little bit of that defensively what they had with Lando. I think Lando last year was still a far superior defender. Then we'll probably get out back with Beverly. But uh, yeah, and I think like, the main thing you have to focus about with this signing is you know the last four signings the board had done since putting this core together and it's through an off-season, through two trade deadlines, and the moves they done outside of drafting Dalen Terry had been signing Tristan Thompson, who was terrible for the boards, and it pretty much out of the league right now because of how bad he played for the boards. Uh, Andre Drummond, who is, had some good moments, but also just like not very good uh, a lot of time. A lot of stupid turnover, he's like, Missed a lot of dunks, honestly, so that's not great. And then Doran Dragas, who started out to see them pretty well, been pretty bad for a few months now. Patrick Beverly now, and all about buyout guides, though, bet minimum guide. This is probably what you're looking at. So I'm not, like, too upset about, like, that aspect. I'm, I don't mean to, like, auto buyout guide. That would have been better necessarily. But I just don't think you can, like, it doesn't matter what team you are, even if you fancy yourself a win-now team like the board front office might be doing, uh, but you can't for like two trade deadline and one off team, you can't disappoint in four better minimum guys. Like you look at the the Nuggets up the backup center spot with Tommy Bryant. The Bucks went out and get J- got Jay Crowder. You know, the Suns who were Chanced himself a contender went and got Kevin Durant. Obviously, a move like that is totally off the table for the boards. But, uh, like, even the team that are in win now mode are 
making big old moves in the border. And I get it, they're handicapped with their pick situation. I think this is a lot of criticism is the board aren't doing anything right now, but the I think like the better criticism of the team would be going back and they gave up too much for Busevich. They probably in the moment they probably gave up too much for the road and in hindsight that's a home one trade because the road ended up being an all NBA all star level player for us, but it's this is where it horse and those moves I think should be in terms of asset management should be getting more shit. But uh, yeah, I guess the board are gonna try to make a push for the play in and maybe try to make the playoffs. I don't really care and I hope that we get the fifth lottery spot and we can have a forty two percent chance of even out pick. I know that in the beginning of the season, I, I was like, never thought I'd get to this point. But the six game losing streak had put me there. The border on the six game losing streak right now into the All Star break was it. This kind of just feels like we are denying the deck shield on a Titanic a little bit. But see what he can do. I hope he doesn't take away Dalen Taylor minutes. That's my other big takeaway that Dalen Taylor looked kind of good against the Bucks. And he's not going to save our season by any means. But I would like Dalen Taylor to keep his minutes. So. That's pretty much it. Uh, after that, Mikey in and back to our over the North Edward programming. All right, welcome into the Bounce Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Wiley McDonald. I got Mikey Bile, the producer of the Overstated NBA show on with me. Welcome on, Mikey. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. How you doing? How's your uh, your All Star Weekend treating you? And, uh, I'm doing pretty well. The uh, All Star Weekend. I feel like the I was kind of swarming on Twitter before we jumped on, and people are not very happy with it. I'm sure that will come up as we mm. know about this. The we kind of wanted to do like a little kind of check in on the NBA, kind of more of a product. I feel like a lot. A lot of our conversation, we focus on the on-court stuff, which should be the focus most of the time. But it's good every once in a while we kind of talk about the product as a whole. Uh, is one thing that I always thought was kind of interesting, part of the reason why I wanted to do this is, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I was looking at like the list of the most viewed events of 2022. And... On Christmas Day, it's supposed to be like the NBA day, kind of, at least for the regular season. The 4 and 10 uh, Los Angeles Rams blew out the 4 and 10 Denver Broncos, and more people watched that game than any NBA game, any NBA finals game. And it said on Christmas Day, it was supposed to be the NBA game. And maybe it's unfair to compare it to the NFL, but uh, I'm you can't tell me there are not people in the NBA that were pissed off about that. <laughs> but but uh, um, for, for sure, that. And I uh, yeah, I feel like the NBA goes through like great lengths to avoid competition with the NFL. <laughs> it's like they they know that they can't touch them, and it's like the fact that NFL stepped in on Christmas Day. I know that's got a that probably ruffled some feathers in the office, but uh, yeah, I just think that. You just have to realize, like, football is huge in America, but it's also just, like, I think accessibility matters. 
And you got to think of like some of the loopholes that fans have to go through to watch games with all these blackout restrictions and just even just trying to watch games on the NBA app. You'll run into like so many weird little problems where you can't watch a game for three days sometimes or like whatever kind of malfunctions the app is happening. Like that's a totally different conversation that people want to complain about. But then if you want to watch an NFL game, like any NFL game, you could sign up for NFL Live for like six bucks. And there's no blackouts, not if it's a national TV game, not if it's in your market. And it's like, I think that's a huge problem with people where it's like, if the NBA wants to make their product more watched, they should make it easier to watch. And shouldn't be like, you're always struggling with all these random competitors and like screens. Like if I want to watch a game on one TV, like one of my smart TVs doesn't support like NBA League Pass on it and I can't stream my I can't like Chromecast my phone to the TV because the NBA app blacks out on stuff like that it's like the weirdest loopholes you have to go through and it's just it's a problem I think the league really needs to look at I think I know it's a battle with the networks but like the NFL doesn't have those problems and it's really starting to drive away casual fans yeah yeah I can't speak for it this year but last year I tried to use league pass on my PS4 a few times and it was like so terrible and it would like glitch out and just like randomly to take you back to the home stream all the time and it's much better on my smart tv so i've just been using that but uh that's kind of we can we kind of talked about this a little beforehand but that's like what uh you what do you think is like working well for the nba at a product i know we kind of already touched on some stuff that not working well but that's had like a product what like how do you feel about the NBA right now? I think in general what the NBA does really well is, I mean, it's a stars league and it does a great job of marketing its stars. Its stars are also very good at marketing themselves. But I think that's part of the reason why people aren't watching a ton of games. Like you've heard other people talk about this where it's like you could just watch game recaps or you could just follow what's going on in the league by going on Twitter. And one thing that the the league does really well is it makes, it kind of helps Uh, and empowers the players to turn themselves into these kind of global icons. Um, I feel like the league is a great place for that, but it's not at the same time being just a great place for people who just want to watch games for the competitive aspect of it. Um, You've got diehards like us that watch our teams every night. And I think that's true in most places, but you know, a random Tuesday night NBA game on TNT or Thursday night now is just not getting the same kind of draw, even if it's good competitive teams. And there's some sort of problem with it. A lot of it can go into load management issues and people just wanting to see the players play every night. And I mean, you get an event like the All-Star game tonight where the players didn't take it seriously at all. And it's like, I don't care. I don't care as much as most people are bashing it for, but it's still, it's kind of a problem when they're marketing this huge thing that people need to tune in for, and it's just a big 48-minute layup line. I don't think that that's that's necessarily good for the league. Like, they need to find a way to make all the games matter and all the games be competitive if they really want people to care. Yeah, I I should have done this beforehand, but I did it while you were talking because I was curious. And I remember uh, when I was in college, I kind of looked into some of this stuff more. I took some like sports media classes and stuff, and uh, the NBA had more followers on like 
on social media platform than the NFL. Right. So mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they're like this kind of dick to that. The NBA is kind of like more like the social media highlight league. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's a little interesting that, I mean, me and you aren't really like the, I don't want to say the problem, but like, it, we're like the people that don't watch it no matter what. It's more like the casual fans, the people that kind of, Loosely or semi closely follow every major sport, and it does. Those people kind of have a hard time getting into the regular season, and the sure. and they they love the playoffs. They will get in it for the playoffs, but it's kind of hard for them to follow the lead on a night to night basis. They, you know, some of them even before like college basketball. I know the. Big Cat, I'm um, part of my take. He was like one of the main national media, one of the biggest following. And he like says that he loved the NBA playoff, but he rather watch the college basketball because every game means something. You know, a lot of the teams, sure. the every game for most teams, every game matters if you're trying to make the tournament. And not like in the NBA where you could just have like a throwaway night. The and the. I think the load management is definitely something that kind of naturally comes into it. The Nate Duncan on Twitter, I don't know if you have picked up on this, but he's been doing the same with him and Dan Feldman each night. They they only do the top two players, so they just they pick they like know every game that each team had the top two players playing, and it usually like mm-hmm. one out of seven or two out of seven. It's like even I think like a lot. It's like a lot less than like even I thought it was, and I think like it kind of like we kind of let it like slide a little bit, but the it's really interesting. I think the ED thing is less games that we want to donate. It just need to be less games. The but like the owner are probably not going to right cave on that unless there's like a way to make more revenue. Um. So yeah, kind of a interesting thing and. And you can say that there's NFL media and NFL fan that don't care about the regular season, don't care about like the majority, that you need to do it in the playoffs, the playoffs where it all matters, but that's not reflected in the ratings at all, even though it's no much more well, like I, the NBA. I do think that the NFL in particular has the advantage of it being just a if, – if you follow like one team specifically, you're only following one day a week. Where it's like, I think for casual fans who don't, you know, who aren't able to watch every day or just aren't willing to go out of their way to do it, like keeping up with the team three or four days a week, that's pretty, that's hard to do. And with football fans, it's like, really, you've got one major day a week and then you've got your other nights, Monday night, Thursday night football, where it's just one game. It's kind of a breeze. I think it's, it's easier to kind of keep track of all that. And then you've got, you want to take into account like, fantasy football and what that's done for the NFL, like fantasy basketball, nowhere near yeah. as close like to taking off in that. And it's also like fantasy basketball is kind of just a lot of work. It's like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know like fantasy football managers do put a lot of time in, but it's like yeah. fantasy basketball. It's like you have to update every day. So it's like, it's not the same kind of draw. It's not the same kind of appeal. Um, those are just some factors that help the NFL, but I don't think that those are like the ultimate things. Um, the games mattering more because there's less games. It's, that's just a huge advantage, and it's, it's just the nature of it. 
Um, I do. I know that they're they're not going to come to an agreement on something like that anytime soon. But I wish they would at least sample like going down to like seventy six games, seventy eight games, something like that. Just seeing what the change is. It's kind of like a chicken or the egg scenario. So you're saying with the revenue because it's like if the product was better, maybe you'd bring in more revenue. But you have to be willing to take that risk first. And there's been no signs from ownership, Adam Silver. Um, advertisers, anything like that, that they're ready and willing to take that risk. Yeah, and kind of just, uh, I think what a lot of the, to kind of wrap up my point, uh, a lot of the casual fan that that's kind of like, yeah, I'll like catch up during the playoffs or whatever, or maybe they're like, maybe flipping on to like, oh, like my local NBA team is on, but then they flip it to the game. They don't like have like a connection to the bench player. They might not even know who are the bench players or and it's right. like, and like, they're, like I said, the one out of seven game, two out of seven game will ball team at a top two player. They're like, oh, like whoever, like Paul Jordan, Kawhi Leonard are playing. And they're like, maybe like living out way. They're like, why would they keep watching the game if they like this? Like, man. And it's like the... So the, do you think there's like I know I'm kind of explaining this on you, but do you think there's like anything outside of this fewer game that could help with like the low management thing? I, because they we've seen it them trying to limit the back to bash, trying to limit the three game and four nights. But honestly, like I know Rochelle brought this up on Hip Hop a few times. It doesn't seem like that like did anything. If any, I feel like it's it still kind of feels like they'll probably it's make getting worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just think that. There's there's some science or there's major scientific backing for like why they're doing it and like they've got the research and there's just no going backwards with that stuff, and if you you can find a way to like incentivize or to try to like penalize the teams, but they're gonna find loopholes for it and it's like can't really say that someone's not injured. It's it's yeah. there's they, gonna be like gray areas where they're not going to be able to stop people from sitting players. Like the only way they're going to actually make something change is to actually limit the number of games. It's the only, and there's people who argue that if, you know, they went down to 72 games that they'd still rest the same amount that they do. So maybe it wouldn't make a difference, but it's worth a shot to at least like get there a little bit and maybe harshen up the penalties for sitting games in some way that's like makes teams not want to do it but also like the less games like means that you have less room for error yeah and and that would like that would change the standings a bit but then you've got something like the play-in tournament which like you could slip a little bit and still make the playoffs so it's really hard to find that like balance that the league is trying to find right now and i don't i don't see any like any change really inside i think it's something that we're going to complain about until we just stop caring about it yeah, I mean, it is kind of hard because, like I would say, like, me and you, like, we're still going to watch, like, the Lee Patch game, like... Oh, for sure, yeah, we're, we're like, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we're like the, like the sickos, as J.J. Weddick said on his podcast. Yeah, we'll yeah be, they, we'll, the, the NBA doesn't have to worry about yeah. us. We'll, we'll be, like, late night watching the whatever wet coach B team play, like, the other wet coach B team. <laughs> the, yeah, for sure, yeah, we'll, be, we'll watch the Rockets first whatever <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll watch the Rockets play the quick with b team that the but yeah like, exactly <laughs> the, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, um the kind of transitioning a little bit into all-star weekend and this is like kind of the i mean the pro bowl in the nfl it's kind of a joke the nhl all-star weekend did kind of a joke now the 
So I don't, not that the other leagues are doing much better, but like I said, Schwartz on Twitter, everyone kind of whipping on the NBA Oscar game, the still competition. The, it was cool to see Mavis won dunk contest. People seem excited about that, but I, there's still yeah. people whipping on Saturday night at a whole. I don't think like I don't even know if anyone even watched it the Friday night stuff. Honestly, I know like the swim. I, I don't. Yeah. The, yeah. Me and my me and my friend went to see Ant Man on Friday, and we met up at like uh, Applebee's right by the theater, and like the Schwebly game went on the TV right by us. I like, I, you know, I like watch a lot of movies. I know you know that some people might not know mm-hmm. that. Like I'm, I put and footy up. I'm pop culture, and I like couldn't even tell you who like half the people were. <laughs> so, like, For sure. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't know if anyone even watches that, but uh, do you think there's like a ED fix for like, the All Star game? Like me and Steve were kind of messaging about this before we got on. I honestly don't think there's like a good solution because like any solution that is like we need to find a way to make the players try, it just like you just like one incident with like the Paul George Team USA exhibition where it's like one player like that that is just like then out for over a year because he got injured and it's like then it's just like over at that point. So like For sure, yeah. Coaches won't even let them play if that happens. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't expect I, I just think that like you're gonna get random games that are gonna be good. Like the last couple years before this were okay. And it's just a matter of like if the teams keep it close and all that matters. It's like just like regular NBA games where like three point variance is the difference maker. It's like, I mean, it's hard to call it shooting luck when Damian Lillard's making half court shots, but it's like that's what it is. And it's like one team is making ridiculous shots and the other one wasn't. This game like didn't really feel like it because of the way they're keeping track of the score, but it was kind of a relative blowout and wasn't very interesting. And like the Elam ending at the end kind of like made it a little bit closer. It felt a little tense at the end just because uh, Team Giannis only wanted to take like 45-footers to win the game. Um, but yeah. it was never really – it was never in question. Like you even saw like Markinen had that corner three like uncontested wide open where it's like if this is when they're supposed to be tightening up, like they still don't care. So it's like maybe if the games were closer to begin with and like – that would help and you're going to get like random games that are going to be good, but I don't think there's any fixing the product on the court. We're not going to get them to play defense. If you want them to play defense, then like make Dylan Brooks an all-star, you know what I mean? Like maybe like, maybe just like each team gets like a villain player, like Patrick Beverly and Dylan Brooks, like have to be in the all-star game. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. You have like Al Caruso blowing up to a ball handoff. Like, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, and as far I, as far as like All Star Saturday Night, like I, you know, I, I take it or leave it. Like I watched the three point contest every year. That's my favorite part, and I thought that that was incredibly entertaining this year. Like it actually came down to like an intense final round. Um, I don't go out of my way to watch the dunk contest. I watch like a few dunks live, and then I watch the rest on like Twitter highlights. And it's like to me, it's just like so much. I don't know, just it's just kind of a joke it's it's yeah. like everyone's just kind of like out there for their shine it's like even the players that aren't even involved are just like jumping on the court and like it's all about getting camera time and i i could see like that being one of the things that kind of turns casual fans off yeah. that like don't like you know don't care about the league very much and they just like look at all these like players like no competition in them they're all just like acting like their teammates for a night and yeah. I wish there was just like a lot, like a little bit more, like fuck you out there. <laughs> like, yeah. it, 
uh, they just they're never going to get the stars to do the All-Star game. Everyone or the dunk contest, everyone they asked during All-Star weekend from Jaw to Ant to anyone, they just like, we're not touching it. Yeah. Like until like a, a true like superstar steps up and like does it. I don't think it's ever going to change for like how people engage with the dunk contest anymore. Yeah. And like I said, it's not like totally the same thing as like the actual like regular season product compared to the other leagues because it kind of shocks in all the other sports too. And I'm sure, sure what yeah. about on all the pot out we once had this like it's just like a kid thing, you know, like it's for the kids. Yeah. And maybe that maybe that's all it just needs to be that's for the kids. But uh um that's kinda like the were there any like thoughts you had from the game? The Jason Tatum won MVP. He broke the record for most All Star point. The I was kind of joking in a few group chats out in that before I knew that Bill and Bushel were, were going to release their pod or I was kind of like, what's the over under for Jason Tatum talking at a pod out like warm hour and, and, and the, yeah for sure. <laughs> do like anything from the game that like you wanted to talk about or should we just like kind of like move past? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I feel like every year, once All-Star is over, you just wash yourself of it. But there's some, you know, some little things. Like, it was, it's fun to see the way, like, as a Damian Lillard fan, like, it's fun to see the way that, like, players love and respect him on the court. And, it, you know, I didn't – I feel like he deserved to be a starter this year, um, at least a starter replacement. Like, it's hard to justify him over Curry and Doncic, but I feel like he his resume is better than, than Jaws and – I feel like he should have been the replacement starting guard and it's cool that he got to close the game and you see when like he makes a shot, you've got like LeBron and Giannis and everyone tapping their wrists. He was the first player picked. And I I feel like that's cool. Just like sometimes it's, it's pretty cool to see like the stars in the league fawning over your guy, but it's also like back the fuck up. (laughs) I I, I know, I know what you're doing LeBron, but still like the, the respect for him, even from like all the younger players is super cool. It is weird that Jokic got picked so late. I, I'm already kind of annoyed with, like, I know what's going to happen on some of, like, the talk radio, like, yeah. first take shit about, like, does this affect, like, his status in the league and all that. Like, it's just it's a dumb all-star game, and people want dudes that are shooting 45-footers and that can throw down sick all the oops, and he's just not built for it. It's true with Luka, too. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen Luka look engaged at an all-star game. Yeah. That's I, so, think that, I think that's pretty much a shit that like I think the players know that Jokic and Donut Why and Giannis like definitely he said that he would he, he would owe two versus LeBron. He wanted he wanted to try to win. LeBron always tried to win when he mm-hmm. was picking his team and like they I think they both just knew Jokic won don't try very hard and yeah, you're right. I just like any kind of thing where you're saying like this player is better than Player A is better than player B because player A would like pick for us in like the All Star draft. You just totally don't elude me on that. But uh... for sure, yeah. Well, and it's like I knew that LeBron was going to take Kyrie early, yeah. and you you can't tell me that, like Kyrie's like a brilliant like basketball player. He's built for an All Star game, but you can't tell me that like because Kyrie was picked over Luca that Kyrie's better than Luca. Like that's not how it works. It's like. LeBron is fawning over Kyrie. He's trying to get him to actually come play with him. Obviously, yeah. he's going to pick him in the All-Star game. Like, this is what LeBron's been doing at All-Star games since they've been doing team selections. Yeah. So it's like, that was pretty mapped out. He was going to pick him. It's just, it's a silly argument that you know you're going to see people on Twitter using. Yeah. But yeah, you got to gotta get past that right away. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I saw like it was like all over Twitter. It's that this joke would like the every pick LeBron makes in the All-Star draft field like ten points, but the, <laughs> <laughs> the um the, I thought we could. I know that you were saying that you didn't really have any on top of your mind before we started, but this maybe we could like go through some of the potential war saying did maybe some idea that already floated out there about like maybe way to fix the on-court product, maybe off-court product. I, I, some of my world are kind of more off-court stuff too. I feel like could maybe that help the league be more sure. throughout, but uh, maybe it kind of, I saw it came up today that Adam Silver said in some of like the mid-season tournament, that would be a possibility that the, non-NBA team could partake. So um, maybe that, like, maybe the defending G League champion could be in the tournament, or and maybe they could play, like, whatever the Houston Rockets or whatever lottery team, and maybe you can bring over one of the your basketball team that it for the top of their standings, but... Uh, sure. Listen, Toma, like, I feel like some people... I'm kind of into the idea of a Michigan tournament. I don't know why. I feel like whenever it comes up on podcasts, people are kind of both like, man, I don't really want a mid-season tournament. But uh, do I, do you have, like, a strong stance on, like, a mid-season tournament? I don't, but only because, like, I don't know. I, I felt like I wasn't, like, standoffish towards the idea of the playing tournament either. It was just kind of like, I was like, I kind of need to see it to know how to judge it. And then, like, I feel like the playing tournament has been a major success. So it's like I'm I'm definitely not opposed to a midseason tournament, but it's just one of those things where it's like, well, it's, you know, worth a try. I don't know if it'll be a huge success, but if it is, like, I'd totally support it. I think the league needs to try new things. I mean, I think that's one thing that's cool about Adam Silver is that he's willing to put it out there like that um, and make progressive changes like that. So it's something that I wouldn't be surprised if we see in the next, you know, two or three seasons. I'm not, like, attaching myself to it, like, where, like, we need this to happen. Yeah. Um, but I would be excited for it, for sure. Yeah, I think, like, anything that can, like, even, like, me who will, like, watch. I watch, like, every board game. If I, like, have something going on that night, I, like, watch it, you know, when I get home, start to finish, or, like, the next morning. Mm-hmm. The, um, I would, like, watch, like, we were saying, I would watch the Quipwood B team versus the Wackers at the late night game. But the... I do think, like, if they could, like, somehow figure out how to, like, get, like, a week or two with, like, it may be not 100% playoff atmosphere, but if they could get it to, like, a lot closer than it is during the regular season, I think, like, that would be a win. I don't know if, like, the mid-season tournament would do that, but I think, like, taking a chance on something like that could work. I don't really... I guess, like, the some people are saying, well, you need, like, a real incentive for the team, otherwise, like, I keep using the clipboard, but I don't, it's like, there's no incentive to win the tournament and, like, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George aren't feeling it, then, like, the clipboard probably aren't going to play Kawhi Leonard and Paul George during the mid-season tournament. For sure. Yeah. And, like, what are, the, what are the incentives that they could offer? Like, it's usually I mean, just money or, like, something to a charity. Yeah, and, I think money would have to be the big one. The, for, like, a few minutes when I foretold, I kind of liked the idea of, like, the team – getting a draft pick or something, but then, like, someone quickly made the point that, well, you can't do that because the player don't be like, so I'm going to try, so you can draft my someone <laughs> For sure, yeah, it <laughs> makes no sense. That part doesn't make sense. And it's like, it can't, I don't think it could really be anything that affects, like, 
playoff positioning or anything like that late for like later in the season or like, you know, home court implications or a tiebreaker, stuff like that. Cause it's, I mean, there's an 82 game season now and that affects what that final outcome should be. And it doesn't seem like teams and players care too much about it anyways. Like it doesn't seem like some of the major teams care if they're a fifth seed or a, a two seed, like, they kind of just like let the chips fall where they may like any like major injury can change like what happens to you during the season anyways. And I just think that teams are just like, as long as we're healthy going into the postseason, if we're, if we have like confidence in our product, that's what we want. Like, you know, you've seen it with like the Warriors and like the Lakers a couple of years ago, it didn't work out for them, but they didn't seem to care that they were going to be a play-in team like the year after they won the title because they thought like as long as we're healthy when we get here and turns out they weren't fully healthy with AD, but like when you're, you know, an elite team, you have confidence in your product. You don't really care if you have to play four series on the road or anything like that. Yeah. the I couldn't totally get there, but I'll kind of, I don't know how much of an NHL fan you are. And it, it, it was kind of hard for me to figure out how this would work in the NBA. But in the NHL, did a point system for the standings. Right. Two points for a win. And then if you lose in overtime or shootout, you get one point. If you lose in regular, you can get zero points. So then, in theory, you could, like, five overtime losses is five points. And then, so, like, then two wins is four points. So then, like, there's sometimes teams with less wins that are higher in the standing because they have more points. But uh, so I was trying to figure out how to like correspond that to the NBA. Mm-hmm. There's not many overtime games in the NBA, so I don't know. It's like how that yeah, kind of that one's that's pretty hard to translate, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's pretty hard to. That's kind of where I got hung up on. I was kind of trying to figure out well, maybe like a win in the midseason tournament it worth a little more than a win during like the normal regular season where like it's mm-hmm. maybe not like last year it's not like i don't know like the like the boards last year after i've been listening to all like the all-star break board pods it's created believe last year at the all-star break the board was the number one seed in the east and uh <laughs> and then it, since then it's been like one of the three or four worst teams in the league pretty much but uh mm-hmm. so like it would be kind of and maybe it would maybe happen. You have like a team that for like a month or two that gets crazy hot, played way above their head. Then maybe they go deep in the midseason tournament, or maybe even win it. And then it's like, what do we do with that? You know, mm-hmm. but like the right. So that I'll maybe trying to figure out something where like a where like a win in the midseason tournament is more valuable than like a win with a normal way season. I couldn't like totally figure out exactly how to do it, but. Uh, do, but that would kind of be like impacting the standing. It would seem like you wouldn't really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's just hard to see the teams really giving a shit. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I don't know if they're going to, it might matter, but it doesn't seem like most teams really care about the positioning now anyways, which is kind of takes you back to the shortening the season anyways. Yeah. Cause it's like, if if all that matters to these teams is the playoffs, then let's get there sooner. Yeah. You know, but yeah, if if they found a way to make the incentives work, I'm all for giving it a try. I think it's cool. It would be cool just to see for something fun and new, like during the middle of the season, because obviously it's a little past the midway point. But like the All Star Game clearly isn't it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 
So I don't, you said you maybe had a few nitpicks about the on-court product. Uh, I had like some, I had like kind of two word I was kind of bouncing around my head that I could throw at you. The um, one thing with the, I think that it's kind of good with the trade deadline that's happening too. That I love the NBA trade deadline. I don't want this to like come across the wrong way. But I've always thought it would be interesting if like the I think like the an average of like twelve or thirteen trades that happen on like the actual day of the trade deadline if you go back like ten or fifteen years or whatever. But uh, I always thought it would maybe be best if there were like if we got like I don't know like eight trades on that day and then we had like four or five trades throughout the rest of the season that we could like have to talk about and I feel like the big thing that the NBA had over the other leagues for better or worse is that the player movement, it, like the hashtag this league, like Kyrie requested a trade, like everyone talking about it, and two days later, right. Mavericks. So I was like trying to figure out something. I didn't like throw some of these ideas at you and she would, I couldn't like fully figure out like exactly how I wanted to do it, but the Bill Simmons kind of pitched it on his pod. The, we've been kind of talking about doing a pod like this for a while, right? Messaged you, he stole my idea, but uh, he like kind of went forward than me. He pretty much said, like, the stepping rule, like, we should have taken it away. That, like, the teams are a lot smarter now, and it's mm-hmm. like kind of like handicapping team, the kind of limiting movement. I'll use the board as an example. Last year, they were, like I said, uh, one seed at the time, maybe point above their head a little bit, and they pretty much couldn't make a trade at the deadline. They were handcuffed, but they had like with the every other year they had their 2022 draft pick, but they couldn't trade it really. But like, what yeah, is it? Un- until the draft, which is like yeah. kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. So like, could a team like that be like, well, like we know that it's not going to be that good of a draft pick. If he ended up being like 18, where it's like a decent pick, but it like, they want them to give up a top five pick. And right. uh, could like a team like that be like, Oh, like we're doing pretty well. And we're, higher than we thought we'd be in the standings, we would like to actually trade our 2022 draft pick at the deadline to try to become better. And then it also takes away, like, the like the Lakers, for example, could have been more aggressive at maybe for going sure. for a star. It could have made the trade deadline really interesting. They were able to add, like, a borderline all-star level player. You, you know LeBron would be all for getting rid of the Stepien role. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Bill took it like a step farther and said, like, a t- if a team like at this trade deadline wanted to trade like their 2035 first round draft pick, they should be. Able I know to- that that was a little crazy. I think that the, <laughs> I think, what do they do? Seven years you can't trade out past? Yeah, I think so. I think they should keep with that because you're not screwing over like the next GM as much, where it's like, you know, you often just got to look at like, GMs are kind of like um, almost like presidential terms. Like some people would last much longer, but you can't just, you can't tell me that like a GM wouldn't trade like all of their picks 10 years from now to make their team better for the next five years because they're like, well, I'm not going to be here. Like that one I understand, but I, I think I'm pretty on board with the idea of eliminating the Stepien rule from restricting teams from trading back to backs because like, We've seen how good trades are for the league, at least just for like generating content, creating buzz on Twitter and like 
just people get more excited about it. And I think that like now that the All-Star weekend has passed and we're going to see a lot of these players actually playing with their new teams, like people are going to tune in to watch KD play with the Suns, stuff like that. Like that's better for the league. And yeah. why why have a rule in place that discourages teams from making big splashy trades like that during the season, during the off season too. But it's like, yeah, like everybody loves trades. Might as well have more of them. Um I don't know if I fully believe that there won't be like a GM that comes in and does some boneheaded stuff, but if it happens, it happens. Like they're, they're adults and like their, uh, their fan bases and their teams kind of have to live with it. But the trade-off is, I think that you, they'll find the balance. I don't think that it's something that we really need to police anymore. Like the, there's just smarter people working in the business now than there was when that role was set in place. Yeah, I guess like maybe on the extreme extreme side, it would maybe make like trading like Kevin Durant harder because what the next was like okay, like I literally yeah, 12, 12 yeah. first round picks, yeah. Was, like you were doing a seven or eight years, like I literally want your next eight first round draft picks, whatever. Like the the team like the Suns that had all their first round draft picks to trade, and then like it kind of gets down to the Suns being like. Okay. Well, I mean, it, 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 it is weird. It is kind of weird to suggest that, like, making giving them a rule that gives them more freedom, but then to also like cap the freedoms they have. But maybe like, yeah. you could put like it. You could limit how many first round picks you could trade in one trade, kind yeah. of thing. Like maybe you can't trade more than four first round picks in one transaction. And if teams want to get like creative and do like a side deal where you're like, oh, we're also trading, you know two first round picks for Royce O'Neal on the side or something like that. Yeah. Like hypothetically, like maybe those are the kind of things you do, but um, yeah, it's, I think that's a creative idea for, yeah. for the most part. That, like with anything, there's going to be some wrinkles, but I like that one for generating more buzz for the league for sure. Yeah. And I think that even like a middle ground, well, maybe we could take like a baby step with it and see how it goes. I was kind of initially just thinking that, you can if you like let's say that like you traded your twenty twenty five and your twenty twenty seven first round draft picks, those are gone. And but so you still can't trade your twenty twenty six fourth round draft pick right now. But like if you for like the upcoming draft, if you have your first round draft pick, regardless of what your future draft situation is, one mm-hmm. year in advance, just like the season before, you can trade the first round draft pick. That because yeah, that- that one's like yeah. that one's pretty nonsensical where it's like yeah i'm going to trade this pick anyway like why not let me do it right now i've, I've never understood that one it's been pretty restrictive and it's just like it seems like they're trying to follow that stepping role like too closely to the book i feel like once that pick has been passed and you're into the new year like the new season like you should technically be allowed to do it like they should change that role pretty much immediately yeah, and then I had another trade idea. This one would maybe help the, like I said, I couldn't fully get to like a way that I thought fully made sense, but uh, this could maybe help with the player movement before the deadline. Mm-hmm. The, I'll kind of think, I think right now it's like 125% on salary. You can't like, you take like your current salary that you're sending out in the trade, you can't take back more than 125% of that. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of wondering, and I thought maybe it would help if we start, well, at the beginning of the season, it's like 150% or something like that. 
and and you get like the like the different deadline of benchmark throughout the heat and where it go down to 140 percent and then like 130 percent and then oh i like that and then the yeah, cause... deadline is it's the normal 125 for right, a few weeks before yeah. play deadline so then it would that, you know, that would incentivize more trades earlier it would get tricky though with managing like salary cap and luxury tax but like every team decides if they want to pay the luxury tax but yeah. I do think that if we were allowing like the Warriors to take in 150% early in the season, that it would it would upset the smaller like market fan bases and ownership groups like be totally opposed to that. Maybe if you like, well, I guess they do have the um, what is that called when you can't trade like over the luxury tax the ap- that you can't trade into the apron, which I think is like I I, I want to say like. 10 million above the luxury tax i could be off on that but like you can't go over that amount in a trade they could still use those kind of restrictions and make that some kind of a balance because like the apron rule exists for teams not being able to just like pile on the luxury tax unless they're like re-signing their own guys so like that's all stuff that would take would be like come up in the next collective bargaining agreement yeah, if they were to like propose something like that, but I like the I, I like the bones of it, like because it just gives you more trades earlier on. Because it's like you could see like once what you know midway through December passed and then January came, like people are just like itching for trades. And there's all these moves that were just like mapped out for months. Like we knew Jay Crowder was gonna get traded to the Bucks like months ago, and it's like they're just waiting for like all the other fallout to see like how else they can get like more picks out of it. And it's like, cause what incentive did the Suns have to trade them if no one was going to give them a first round pick or anything back. And it's like, I do think that that would help get some of those moves done a little bit quicker. Yeah. And like the, like the, it seemed like we, they would like obviously a ton of smoke, but uh, it, it was kind of a one joke that like people pretty much knew that Lanto was going to be a ball for like two years before he was. Yeah. But it was just like they couldn't ever come to a way deal that like, worked out for both teams. So then they needed to that was That him. was true with, um, with Jeremy Grant to the Blazers too. Yeah. It was just like everybody knew. And I, I think that the only thing that they had held up was um, – we own the Blazers own the Pelicans pick that if they made the playoffs got turned into the Bucks 2025 first round pick. And I think the the Blazers must have like had some kind of protections on that Pelicans pick. And then like once it was gone, they were like, okay, you can have the Bucks pick. And that trade just got announced like immediately. And it's like it's so weird like how trades like that are mapped out like way in advance. Like I you you've probably got a feel for it, like being a fan of the Bulls, but I've got a feel for like the kinds of players that I know that the Blazers are targeting and like have been for some time. Like the Matisse Seibel thing was like, it's been rumored for like years. <laughs> and it's just like, it's weird when like it actually happens. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. Like people just talk about that all like so openly all the time. Yeah. It's like the players that like want to be in a certain, you know, in a certain area, like he, he's from the Northwest and he knows the area and like just kind of made sense that eventually he'd come back here. It's just weird that like, people are so in the know about it. It's not like that in any other profession. Like yeah. if you were just like, yeah, I'm, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty destined. I'm going to be going to this other company next year. <laughs> like that wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, the reason I, I couldn't fully get there was because you think that most contenders are pay, paying the luxury tax and uh, 
So then it's kind of like, you think that that kind of back sets up for like a contender with like a poor machine young player that maybe hidden on their bench a little bit, can't get a lot of shine because he's playing for a champion contender. They could take that young guy and pretty much trade him like more or less straight up. Maybe you have some other stuff in there for like a, a good player on a bad team that makes more money. It kind of makes like that, the idea of that trade easier. But then the problem is, I think you're going to have the owner being like, no, I don't want to pay like that much more and much tax. You need to try to attach more salary in the trade going sure. out. We'll play much yeah, it, yeah it, it might not happen very often. It might help players like, um, it was weird to see um, Terrence Ross and Eric Gordon move teams the same year because I feel like those are the same kind of yeah. dudes that like, they just kind of got like paid a little bit above their like market value. And then they just kind of had to like stay in their spot for like quite some time. And maybe it would help those kinds of players get out a little earlier. If like, you know, you could have traded like Eric Gordon's $20 million for like, you know, a $12 million contract earlier in the season. Maybe that happens more often. Um, but yeah, that one, that one would be super tricky. I, I like the idea of it though. Yeah. And then, we can kind of wrap up. I'm going to kind of throw this at you. The, this, mm-hmm. the, I mean, kind of think about this a little bit. The Zach Bo kind of brought this up on his podcast and told him to like one more product-related thing. The, you kind of had like, it seemed like the Warriors with Jordan Poole, they like dropped in and developed him. And then like they had to put themselves so much into like the luxury tax hit or to like keep him on the team. And then you had the guide like, Bradley Beal, the Zach Levine situation kind of tough because he got injured, and I think his contract wouldn't be terrible if he was just healthy. But the mm-hmm. that's kind of the guy that the team drafts, they develop him into all star, borderline all NBA players, and then you get put in this situation where, and I thought it was really funny with dealing it with Levine last off, he didn't listen to all the podcasts where it's like, Leading up to the offseason, everyone in the media, it's like you have to give him the max because it would just be bad press if you piss off the you piss off this guy that you drafted or in Levine case you acquire when he was a young war player and you develop mm-hmm. and then it's just bad press to not give him the max, piss him off, lose him because of that. That's bad press. But then the second they sign the match, everyone in the media is like, that's a terrible contract. Yeah, every, everyone shit on them. Yeah, everyone <laughs> gave them bad press for it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I get it that you don't need to give Bradley Beal to no trade quads. I, that's why, obviously, like, you, you don't need to do that. Like, the, like I said, the Levine situation was tough because his knee injury, I think, even though it ended up being a little worse than we thought, you knew about it when you gave him the contract. And it's like, do you just, like, think there were, like, any – I know I'm disappointing the time with you, and I don't really have a good answer either. But that's kind of like one thing I'm kind of interested in moving forward. Is that kind of like, is there like a solution to that, or if you're like a team in that situation, are you just white fucks? Um, yeah, it, it is an unfortunate thing that happens where like often you'll see teams make like drastic like direction decisions for like, do we need to like trade off this young guy, or do we need to like get rid of some like key vets to keep them i think that like the alternative would be like the nba having its own version of like a franchise tag and that tag maybe being like a shorter contract but something that that's that's a good idea yeah but something that only affects your 
books at like a certain rate. Like maybe you can like, if it's a guy that you drafted, like coming out of a rookie contract, perhaps it's something that's like, maybe you could sign him to like a full max, but it only affects like 50% for like how it hits your cap and like how it affects your luxury tax threshold and everything like that. Like, so that's the only thing that I could think of for that. And it would help teams and it, it would incentivize, you know, players staying through their second contract in like smaller markets and such, but then it would bring up more issues with like, if you're trying to create revenue with like, trades being good for the league and all that stuff and like player movement being good. Like, I don't think that the players are as interested in that as maybe ownership is like, I think the, the players association is totally fine with player movement and doesn't really care about like small markets, keeping these stars or anything like that. Like, so that one's tricky, but yeah, some kind of franchise tag is probably the best solution. I know I've heard that floated in like some various podcasts, but I don't think it's a thing that the league is actually considering. Yeah. I mean, it's, we haven't totally, maybe did an example that you can think of that I'm not, but I bet we haven't totally seen the team being like, we just need to like play this guy. And like, we have to like eat the bad flash for like a year, but then we're not like stuck with like the, with his contract. And like, it's it hard because it's always going to come up whenever. Well, didn't that essentially happen with Jimmy Butler and uh, and DeMarcus Cousins as well, right? But that was more of – that wasn't their rookie contracts. That was more of, like, a Supermax thing. Yeah, the the boards didn't – the um, there were obviously a lot of different reporting. Some people are reporting that, like, Gar Pass didn't believe Butler was a max player. There are, like, other people that say that. Guard patch would have been willing to get Butler a mad contract, but they knew because they can you can't go into the luxury patch if you're the Chicago board for whatever reason. So the the guard patch didn't think they could build a contender around Jimmy Butler, paint him the match without going into the luxury patch, and then that's why they didn't want to give him the match. And it would like to so like all that stuff. That that is an interesting one, but like the the board and the board that like clash for trading. Jimmy Butler in the media and it would like and it's like still kind of a thing that I feel like comes up that it's like well they like whenever like there's like a rumor of like like with Levine that was like part of the reason why people were like you have to pay Levine a match it like you because you don't want another you don't want another Butler situation on your yeah, hands like, you yeah you get for like two years in the media for not giving Butler the match and it's like the so I don't know like I think in one of those things where it's just like you almost like the best solution from a team standpoint. You almost need like the foresight and like trade those guys like a year or two in advance, but like mm-hmm. and just like try to either like pick a direction and just like we either don't like rebuild or we'll trade Levine or maybe some other piece and try to bring in a star or like a legit top 10 player or whatever it is. But I don't know. That would have kind of like one thing I've been thinking a lot about, especially with the board coin situation. It's kind of hard not to think about just like the Levine's match contract and it's kind of like we were like and like I said it's like the team knew about the knee injury it's maybe lingered a lot longer than we like hoped but like it had kind of like you it would we were in like a Lulu situation with him and it right like, yeah so the what do the anything else that you want to hit on in terms of the NBA product or anything in general no, I feel like we covered, you had like way 
better like bigger picture ideas that I was I was kind of tossing around in my head. So I think it worked just having you kind of throw them off me and uh, it's kind of some good things to marinate on. Yeah, the, I would like to maybe do something similar in the uh, off season. The maybe Brett and Steve can join us for that one. The mm. the all right, thanks, Mikey. And uh, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks everyone for listening.